Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, before I get into the before I get into uh, uh, to the announcements, I want to pray for our community. Uh, so, and the reason why I'm doing that is influenza A, B, all the things you can think and name are going through our community real bad. And, of course, I missed last Wednesday because I had strep throat. But it's, it's so bad that the, the hospitals are being inundated. Um, that's what the doctor told me last week, that it's over, they're overloaded. They shut down the clinic last week when I was going to take my daughter because they had over 100 visitors in the morning. It's that serious, so let's just pray for our community. I think God can do that. There's power in prayer when, to, when we're gathered together and we agree together under yeah. Jesus' name. That's right that God can heal our community. So let's pray for our community this morning before we do our announcements. Father God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. We pray not only over Ardmore, but Lone Grove and even the public school systems, the hospitals. We thank you for nurses and doctors and all those things that you've blessed us with. We pray for healing in our community. God, you said if two more agree in your name, it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, bring healing to our community. Bring, uh, bring miracles to, to bodies Heal people of all these sicknesses of influenza A and B and strep and, and COVID and, and RSV. We pray right now for the supernatural move of your Holy Spirit on our communities right now. And over our church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Uh, two of my daughters are at home with my wife. Lisa's going to be teaching the kids because two of them, of course, are sick this morning. Um, all right, real quick on some of our announcements this morning. Just a couple of reminders. Some, if, you, if you miss it, we have it in the bulletin. If I miss something, it's in the bulletin. We also have it up on the screen. Um, but just a reminder that Sunday, 
uh, at 10.30, Wednesday at 7, or the age is 5 to 11, which is the Bible Quest. Our youth group meets here on Wednesdays, and that's from 6.30, and they have a meal. So if anybody's signing up for meals, remember that to bring a meal for the kids. February 17th is men's breakfast here in the fellowship hall at the church at 8.30 a.m., March 2nd, 8.30 in, in the fellowship hall is the men's Bible uh, study. And then just looking ahead, we had a really good annual business meeting. It turned out well. We have two uh, new board members, so I wanted to recognize them real quick. Uh, James Armstrong, raised, uh, he raised his hand. I was going to have him stand up. But uh, uh, can you give him a, a round of applause? And, jo and John Keeney, where's John at? He's out there. Oh, yeah, he's, he's our uh, safety man. we got to say safety man. Uh, but uh, also just to give you an update too before I get into a little bit more announcements that we're about four to five weeks out for our uh, sprinkler system for the company to come fix it. But we're hoping that we got it fixed, so just be praying for that. Uh, we have no drainage, so they got to put these uh, drum drips in the church to, to get the water to drain off because of the way our system was made. So just be praying about that, please. Uh, how many of you want that to be gone? Amen. All right. A couple other things. Heart to heart. Do you want me to make the announcement or do you want to make the announcement? Amen. Hey, and I love the, the whole heart-to-heart -heart of churches coming together to worship God as a whole. We're the body of Christ. And the things that God's been doing in some of those services, uh, I, I would love to get that. Was it Hetty Lou to come sometime and preach? Oh, man, I've heard she's powerful. So uh, that God works through her. Uh, prime timers, February 24th uh, at 12 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. Um, and just a couple other things on there. February 17th, we got to remember this. If you have done background checks, February 17th, it's a Saturday, um, and it's going to be around 10 o'clock. We're going uh, to do a ministry video training. We have to do that every year for our uh, background checks. And basically what that does is liability for insurance or protecting of the church. It gives you a training. It's only about an hour long, hour, or maybe I think hour and a half. You're going to watch a video, and then if you haven't taken your test yet and you've done a background check, you're supposed to take a test. So, and it's not a hard test. It's real easy. Uh, I, I got all those looks when I said that. So, um, and just a couple other things. Our missionary, uh, uh, Terrence Harris, will be here March 3rd. Uh, there will be no youth service February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. And then March 23rd is called the Easter Palooza. That's our Easter egg hunt that's coming up. And I'm excited about that. And that's a Saturday, and that's at 1 p.m., and we're going to do that here on the field. The whole purpose of that is to get out into our community. We want kids to come to Jesus. And I've had parents come to Christ at these things. So uh, it's not about Easter eggs. It's not about the Easter, but it's about Jesus and getting Jesus to people and people to Jesus. And then the final one, our uh, superintendent, uh, Brother Wooten's going to be here for the AM service on March 24th. Please come. That's going to be my commissioning service. He's going to be commissioning me here as the new pastor. And so I believe that's what he's supposed to be doing. If he doesn't, then we'll just ask him to do it, right? I'm just kidding. I hope he doesn't watch that. But all right. Now we're going to watch a, a real quick video uh, uh, getting ready for our missions banquet.
in for my wife this morning and she's uh, we're getting ready for a missions banquet I know we've got a lot of announcements this morning but I thank you for your patience real quick uh, if you look at the poster over here and the poster over here this is the this is the the theme this year with the assemblies of God AGWM which is sent all peoples everywhere and around the community around the world and that you know it's the great commission uh, listen, the Assemblies of God was founded not only on the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we believe in the move and the power of the Holy Spirit, but that power is to send us to the nations. Uh, the, the reason for the Assemblies of God was, uh, again, if you look at our history, is to reach people in the world and uh, to reach the lost. And, and it's not just in our local community, but everywhere. So the whole focus of missions, again, is the lost. Yes. How many of you guys were lost at one time and now you're found? That's the whole purpose of it. So uh, we're going to, if you'll see the tables out in the foyer, you're going to see some tables that my wife is setting up and some of the ladies that are helping her are setting those up. And I don't want to take away from anybody that isn't helping. So, um, But uh, Costa Rica, we're focusing on that on February 4th, which is today. We're going to look at, I'm going to read a couple things from Costa Rica. The United States on February 11th, the United Kingdom, the Philippines. And, and then there's a faith promise that's coming up. And uh, that's February 25th. And at the missions banquet, we're going to ask for those. We're going to talk a little bit about faith promises. And it's between you and the Lord of taking up missions. And uh, again, it's not about money, guys. You can pray. If you can't give money, you can pray. But unfortunately, everything is run by money. Do you know Jesus talked more about money than he did anything? And so Jesus said, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And that's hard for pastors because we don't want to talk about it. Because it's so controversial, especially in our culture today. But I want to read a couple things because I promised my wife I'd do it. Are you guys okay with being patient a couple minutes? All right. Somebody said no. Okay, Jared, you're going to come help me. <laughs> At least he's honest, right? AGWN 2024 theme sent. This is from our general counsel. On the night of his resurrection, Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. John 20, 22. The Father sent the Son, the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, and Jesus sends his followers. God has sent the whole church into all the world with the whole gospel. He has called us to participate in his mission, to proclaim the gospel to all peoples everywhere. While evangelizing our communities and winning people to Jesus, we cannot neglect those who have no access or limited access to the gospel. This is why we have chosen this theme for 2024 sent, all peoples everywhere. 
The local church has an important role in fulfilling God's mandate, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Each church must cultivate an atmosphere where God can speak and be willing to train, send, and support those whom God calls, Acts 13. Will you join with us in ensuring that all peoples everywhere hear the gospel? Population, real quick, of Latin uh, Caribbean. Not listed spiritually lost, but there's 642 unreached people groups in Latin America. That's people groups. That's just not people. That's people groups. 26.9 million AG constituents. 217,304 AG churches. 189,241 AG ministers and 464 missionaries and associates. At a glance, the largest religion is Christianity, or only 14% of that is born-again evangelical in Latin America. Pray today. Evangelicals in Costa Rica grew to 15% of the population and established one of Latin America's most effective mission movements. But the church needs prayer. Most Costa Rican churches are, are good at winning converts, but they fail to disciple them. Pastors survive on minimal incomes and have little help, so they struggle to provide consistent pastoral care. Christians often fall away in difficult times or move to different churches. Pray for effective and sustainable models of doing church and making disciples in Costa Rica. And then it says this, although 73% of the nation is Catholic, this percentage declines every year. And so we need to be praying for Costa Rica. And uh, I have one more thing that she wrote on here I think to read. Let me double check, okay? Y'all being patient. I'm so thankful that you guys are patient with me this morning. Ministry to young people is essential given that two-thirds of Costa Ricans are under age 30. As with many other nations, alcoholism, drug addiction, violence, and immorality plague this generation. Christian student and youth ministry has been weak in the past, but vision is growing and ministry increasing. Why all the emphasis on that? Again, because you never know. One of you may be called to missions. I've known people in their 60s get called to missions. I knew a couple that were farmers in North Dakota that had farmed, and God had called them when they were younger, but they didn't answer the call. So when they retired, God said, oh, I still called you to be missionaries. And guess what happened? They sold their farm, sold everything, and went out in the mission field. So listen, you're, some of you may be called to missions. The whole purpose is to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. That's what missions is all about. And if you can't go, you can do it by supporting by through financial or through prayer or getting behind your missionaries. So... All right, enough with all that. I'm going to make this real quick. We have some birthdays this month. Um, Lisa Armstrong's birthday is this month. I'm not going to ask. I've been told never ask a woman her age, unless it's my wife. I already know her age. Okay, never mind. I, you, I'm the only one that got that. Uh, Shara's birthday, Todd Blakely. Todd, how old are you going to be? 44. All right. <laughs> He's telling everybody to go to Todd's house for birthday. No, he said no. Mary Burns, and I'm not going to ask you your age. No, you're 21, right? Okay. Uh, Merle, how old are you going to be? I was, I was, that was in December. <laughs> oh, did I get it wrong? That's your anniversary. Okay, sorry. How, how long have you guys been married? 40 years. Can we give them a round of applause? <laughs> Carol, it even says anniversary under there. Okay. Tim and Karen Dickinson anniversary. <laughs> How long have you guys been married? <laughs> they pointed at each other. <laughs> Boy, they're both in trouble. 35 years. Can we give them a round of applause? 
Sister Gillum, Shanista Gillum's birthday is on uh, February 10th. Uh, Nisa's birthday is on the 9th. Uh, Kim McLemore is on the 4th. Uh, Jesse, how old are you going to be, Jesse? 41. And then Rick, Rick on the 14th. Oh, you're on Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ta Tammy Spragan on the 9th. Can we, can we give them a round of applause? Let's sing happy birthday to them. Yes. Yours is what? February 7th. All right. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. I'm so glad that I'm not the worship leader. Amen. <laughs> All right, if we can have our ushers come at this time to take up our morning tithes and offerings. Do we have anybody ushering this morning? Did everybody forget the... Uh, uh, <laughs> Ron's going for it. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I do appreciate you guys being patient with all the announcements this morning. Thank you very much. Father, we're so thankful that you're the mighty God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as it says in Psalm 50. Lord, you own everything. You own the clothes on our back. You own the, 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 the cars that we have, the houses that we have. You just give it to us as being good stewards of what you've given us. It belongs to you. Lord, we want to give back to you of our tithes and offerings, not because we have to, but because we want to. And we do it with a cheerful heart. To give into the kingdom is to build the kingdom. So, Father, we're giving to you because we love you. And we're giving out of the abundance of our heart. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, your feet while we praise in the way of offering and as we praise in the way of worship. Father, we just thank you this morning. Thank you, Father, that you're going to take over this worship service in Jesus' name. Amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind? Oh, wait, it was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn.
to your glorious day. And now your mercy has saved my soul. And now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. My sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is here and I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, into your glorious day you call my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you call my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you call my name and i ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day
Your presence 
chapter 3 that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 it talks about us as being the temple of the Holy Spirit the Father as your church gathers together this morning and worships you and honors you and glorifies you you said if two more gathered in your name there you are in their midst you are here this morning your presence is here and we are standing on holy ground. God, you called us to be holy, for without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But thank you, Lord, for that imputed righteousness that when you died on the cross and you rose from the grave and you ascended to heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. The moment we got saved, you filled our hearts and you took rep residence within us and that holiness was distributed to us the holiness of Christ therefore we are standing on holy ground thank you Lord let's just wait in his presence for a second I feel like the Lord wants to say this to somebody this morning, and I know it's a very familiar verse, and most of us can quote it this morning, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You need to believe me for my word. It says that I have plans for you. I have plans for you. And it's a plan to give you hope and a future. Father, for whoever that is this morning, remind them that you're on their side. That if you are for them, who can be against them? That you who began a good work in them will complete it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to dismiss the kids to go back. You may be seated this morning. like to thank the worship team. It's good to hear Julie and the worship team up here again. Can you give them a round of applause? I think that's the first time I've heard you that sick before. So we're so blessed to have a wonderful worship team. Everybody have a good week.
How about this weather? I'll take 71 degree weather in this time of the year. Yeah, bring it in. Amen. I'm right there with you, brother. All right, if you have your Bibles, would you please open up with me to the book of Hebrews? We're going to be looking at verses 32 through 40 and chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. But before I read this morning, I've shared this scripture before, but God laid this on my heart this last week. And, the, and, and you got to understand, as a pastor, when God begins to flow things, all these scriptures will just start flowing through my mind when he lays something on my heart. We're going to be looking at running this race and keep running the race. But I want to give you a kind of a little overview of the, the book of Hebrews we don't know who the author is. Some believe it was the Apostle Paul. Some believe it could have been Apollos because it's the Alexandrian type of writing. But the type of writing, most, most scholars point it to the Apostle Paul and that somebody else transcribed it for him. But whoever the letter was to, it was to the Hebrews. And they were Jewish believers who had converted to Christianity. And due to persecution, they were ready to give up the faith and go back to Judaism. And so the whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to get their focus back on who Jesus is and to stay in the race or keep running the race and not give up on their faith. And so for that little history there for you, I want you to keep that in mind. We're going to start in chapter 11 because we call this the Hall of Faith. And we're going to look at just a few of them. I mean, if you get a chance to read the whole book of Hebrews... It's very important to you to do that. You can learn a lot of things from there. But starting in verse 32, and then we're going to pray. And what more shall I say? Do I not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword? whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study this this morning about keeping in the race, I pray, Lord, that you will remind each one of us that life is not easy you said that we would have trouble in this life, but be a good cheer, for you have overcome the world. You never said that it would be an easy road. You never said that you would pull us out of everything. But you did promise that you would be with us and see us through it. I pray, Father, as I share this this morning, what you've laid on my heart, for your congregation, for your people, for your sheep, that, Father, you would speak to each one of us this morning. As your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me, Holy Spirit, what you would say this morning. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Before I get into my notes, I want to start in verse 32 and read a couple things here. The author of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, he gives us what we call hall of faith, people that have gone before us, people that have, they were examples and they stayed true to the Lord. And, you know, he talks about Gideon and Barak and Samson. Now, how many of you guys know the story of Samson? And He took a jawbone and killed 300, 300 uh, uh, Philistines with it. Uh, you look at the David, how many of us know King David, a man after God's own heart and what God accomplished through him? You look at all these great kings and, uh, and, and prophets and uh, you, you think of Daniel in the mouth of the lion's den and you think of the, uh, uh, how the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God saved them out of the fiery furnace and they escaped the sword and he, he turned their weakness to strength. We often hear these stories in the Bible of these great men and women and how God delivered them, but we forget about the ones that didn't make it. The, the ones that went through troubles and tribulations and struggles and trials, but they were faithful to the end and they stayed faithful to Christ. Can I tell you that to me that speaks greater volumes than the person that did great things for God is the person that stays faithful to Jesus until they take their last breath. God calls us to be faithful. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Look at me in verse 36. Some faced jeerings and floggings, while still others were chained and put in prison. Others were tortured. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two. I mean, think about it. How graphic that is, to be sawn in two for the gospel for Jesus. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins. How many of us know John the Baptist? Rode camel. He, he, how many of you guys would eat honey and locusts? Man, that grasshopper looks really good. That was his meal. They were mistreated and persecuted. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. See, we often look at all these great men, but we don't look at the ones that went through problems and weren't delivered. But the deliverance that they talk about is in verse 35. Go back with me to verse 35. Women received back their dead, raised alive again. Others were tortured and refused to be relieved so that they might gain a better what? Resurrection. Guys, we have a, uh, uh, we have a hope that the world does not have. We have heaven to look forward to. If I'm persecuted for Christ, it's for him. If I'm put to death, I get to see Jesus because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God never, uh, God never gave us a formula that the minute we got saved that everything would be easy. In fact, it sometimes gets harder because you got resistance from the devil you have the old lifestyle, the world that's pulling at you in your flesh. And you have persecution, insults. In fact, go with me to, this is not my notes, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Look with me in verse 11, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about those who are blessed. Look at verse 11. 
Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of who? Because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad. When somebody puts you down, and most of the time it's with family members. It's with those that you know and you're close to that all of a sudden they see a change in your life and they're wondering what is so different about them and they start to put you down. Remember, Jesus says rejoice and be glad. Be happy that they do that because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you're persecuting or there's somebody persecutes you, they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting the one that lives inside of you. And you're to be glad and rejoice. Now, I'm not talking about being weird and strange. Because sometimes we can be that way. I'm talking about living for Jesus. Living for him. They know there's a change. You love people. You're acting like Christ. And somebody begins to persecute. Turn around and say, praise the Lord. I think I might have shared this with you, but I'm going to share with you again. When I was in the service... Remember, remember I shared with you, I had a shirt that said, uh, uh, it had a scripture on the back with it. Uh, the, the, the wicked flee when no man pursue it, but the, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I had this shirt on, and I was in the barracks, and, and all the guys knew that I served the Lord. And I remember these two guys in this room that, uh, that they weren't Christians. And I remember them saying, there goes that Jesus freak. And I wasn't weird or strange. I just had a shirt on. And I turned around and said, thank you, Jesus, that he recognizes me. <laughs> I never heard another word out of him. A kind word turns away wrath. So let's go back to Hebrews here. Keep running the race. So how do we run the race Look at me in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you get saved, God puts you into this race called faith. Christianity. To be a follower. And in the beginning, the church was called the way. Later on, the church was mentioned in Acts for the first time. You and I, if we're born again, we're of the way. We're of the way of Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We run this race by fixing our eyes on the one that is the author of it. The Greek word for fix is the Greek word aphora, which means to turn eyes away from other things and fix them on something. In order to get your focus on Jesus, you need to turn your eyes away from other things and put your focus where it belongs. How about bad circumstances in your life or troubles or trials? We often get our focus on those trials and tribulations. And what God is saying is turn your eyes away from those things and fix your eyes and attention on Him. And it takes effort. It's not easy. It's easy sometimes for me to sit up here and preach it to you, but I'm going to tell you it's not always easy. But if you will fix your eyes on the author and finish your faith, God will get you through. You need to fix. The word fix means to focus. Where's your attention? Where's your attention lie? 
Does it lie on your problem? Does it lie on the other person that's driving you nuts? Anybody have somebody to drive them nuts? How many of you guys know how a pearl's made? Irritation, right? Look at Matthew 6.33. Jesus says this. He says, but seek first his kingdom. Jesus is the kingdom. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. You do two things. You focus on him. Seek God. The word seek means to pursue until you get a hold of him. That's what it means in the Greek. I'm going to run until I get a hold of Jesus. You pursue Christ. You get your focus on him. You get your attention on him. You pray. You worship. You spend time with him. You spend time with other believers. You seek him first. Where is Jesus in your, in your daily activities? Where is he in your schedule? Do you schedule Jesus around your schedule or do you schedule your schedule around Jesus? That's a tongue twister, isn't it? That's a full mouth of stuff. But it really comes to who's the center of your life. Jesus says, but seek him first. Seek the kingdom Seek his righteousness, which means walking before him, living for him. It's not just talking, uh, talking the talk, it's walking the walk. It's living for him. And that takes work. I have to work on it. You have to work on it. Listen, I have a garden in my heart that sometimes has weeds in it, and Jesus has to help me pull them up. And it doesn't always feel good. How many of you have ever pulled weeds before? Do you ever get one of those weeds, the top pops off, and you're like, ah, oh, and you can't get the rest of it? So you get a shovel, and you start digging, and it gets deeper? Guys, sometimes we have weeds in our heart that God wants to pull up. And sometimes we allow him to pop off the top, but the root is still there. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then look at this. And Jesus was talking about in there, uh, don't worry about what you will wear, what you will eat. Don't, don't, and King James, I like the King James, it says, take no thought to what you will wear or what you eat. He's talking about the cares and worries of this life. And he says, seek his kingdom first and then all these things will be added unto you. How do we run this race? We get our focus on him. We're, the problem with Americans is we're time consuming. Time is our biggest enemy, I think. What do we do with our, with our uh, time? Write down, and write down what you do for a day and maybe do it for a week and find out exactly. You know what my problem is? I'm picking on pastor today. And pe don't hold this against me because I, I, I'll find out some things about you. I'm teasing. Mine's TV. Mine's TV because how many of you guys like to unwind? You get home, you sit down, watch a good program. And how many hours do we spend in front? And I'm just using that as an example. Where is our focus? So Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 16, 24 through 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Fixing our eyes on him means following him. Hold your spot here and go with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke 
Luke chapter 14. Look, look at verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Large crowds were tra traveling with Jesus and turning to them. And then he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to, to complete it? For if he lays a foundation that is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. But suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation with others. With the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has an ear, ears to hear, let him hear. What Jesus is saying here, it's interesting that somebody starts off a project. You and I start off in our relationship with Jesus. But if we stop in that relationship and we quit because it gets tough, then it's like losing your saltiness. It's like building a building but not finishing it. And the world recognizes that. They'll point out and say, see, that doesn't work. Uh, you've been telling me about this Jesus, but see, you're not finishing it. It loses its saltiness. You lose your witness. He talks about following. The word follow in the verse 27 comes from the Greek word ekromeia, which means to go, to follow one. Luke 9, 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. So it's, it's, you start the race, we need to finish it, and it's not easy. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is what? Light. It's not easy if you're doing it on your own. But it is easy if you get your focus on him. It's just all making sense this morning. Our whole focus in this life is to turn our attention from other things and keep following Jesus. Oh, went too fast. Listen to what John 10, 27 says. He uses that word again. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now this Greek word's a little different. The Greek word for this, and I'm not going to say it's akalatheo, Sometimes saying these Greek words are hard. So if I mess them up, you don't know them and I don't know them. So I'll just act like I know them, right? I, I don't speak Greek. But the Greek word for this means to follow one who proceeds. To join him as his attendant. Accompany him. To join one as a disciple. Become or be his disciple. Side with his party. It literally means walking beside them. It, when I was a, how many of you guys ever walked beside your dad when you were a kid? Or your mom? You're in the store, and, it, and the, as a kid, it can get scary with all these people around. Just kind of revert back to, back in the 70s and 80s, it wasn't too bad. But still, you know, I, I was the kid that always ran and hid inside the clothes, and I'd get a spanking for hiding from my mom. But 
the idea is to come up beside and walk beside the Lord. In the Greek, it literally means to keep following. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. It means to keep following Jesus, even when it's not easy. Even when you have opposition, it means to keep following, walking beside him, walking with him, accompanying him. Think about that. Jesus lets us accompany him, but he wants to accompany us. Effie Marsh in his commentary wrote this about following Christ. Is Christ's command after we have believed in him? Follow me. We should follow him. We should follow him willingly as sheep, holy as a servant, patiently as a sufferer, heartily as a saved one, promptly as a disciple, constantly as a loving one, imitatingly as a child of God. Fixing our eyes on him means abiding in him. That's what it means to focus. Look at John 15, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide literally means in the Greek to continue in. It means to continue in your relationship with him. And that's not a popular thing today. But he says if you look back, you put your hand in the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. Guys, when you start the race, you stay in the race. Amen? You stay with him. You focus on him. You stay in the word. You stay in the worship. You stay in fellowship. I think I've shared with you, but they've done studies. And just in the last 10 years, the amount of people leaving the church is over 40 million. We had a, a, another individual just recently come out and talk about a, a well-known preacher, and I'm not going to say their name, but coming out and saying it's okay for us to attend a gay wedding and to give a gift. That's not following Jesus because that's not what the Bible says. And I'm not picking on one sin because there's a lot of sins in the Bible. We don't want to focus on just one thing. But can I tell you, following Jesus means living for Jesus. Means doing the right things, following the word. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it. How many of you guys are perfect this morning? But it means following him, staying with him, step by step. I remember as a kid, I grew up in Colorado, and we'd have big blizzards out there. And as a little kid, going out to the garage with my dad, had a garage. And, and I would wait and wait for him to go in the snow first so I could step in his snow spot so I wouldn't have to walk through the deep snow. Guys, we're stepping in Jesus' feet. And he's setting the path for us. Fixing our eyes on him means dying to self. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 25. I'm going to read it again. We read this early, but I want, to, I want you to listen to this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any, of, any, if any of you wants to be my follower, remember follower, you must give up your own way. This is the New Living Translation. Take up your cross and follow me. To pick up a cross means you're going to die. That, that's, that was a form of execution. You're saying, I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 
So how do we run this race? We fix our eyes on Jesus. Number two, we throw things, we throw things aside. Let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, look what he says. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So to run this race, we got to get our attention, our focus, right, which is on him. Number two, we need to three, throw things aside. Uh, what are those things that we are to throw aside or throw off? Well, he tells us everything that hinders. The Greek word for aside means to cast off, lay, lay apart, aside, put down, put off. Kaufman's commentary, really, I really like what it says about uh, those, those things that uh, hinder us. He says, lay aside every way is the order for all who would win in the Christian race. There are two classes of imp impediments, and I probably said that wrong, but I'm giving my best, to be avoided by the successful contender in the race of life. The first of these being weights, as mentioned here. This class hindrance includes just about everything that can get in the way or impede the Christian contender's progress. Things not all at all bad in themselves, but which in the last analysis hinder the work of the child of God and must all be cast aside. Think about the things that maybe are good, but they're taking up most of your time and not your time with Jesus. There can be good things in your life, but they can become a hindrance. You can put anything in the way of Christ. You can put your spouse, but let me tell you, don't put them aside. That's, that's one of those ones you can't cast off, and that's a good thing, right? Some of you are thinking, man, I wish I could. That's not what it means there. What he's talking about is those things. There could be good things in your life that hinder your walk with Jesus. It could be pleasures. It could be money. It could be your things. Your things can hold you down. I think of, again, that, that couple that were farmers for most of their life, and God had called them to the mission field, but they weren't ready to lay it aside and put it away. And think of how many more lives they could have reached for Jesus had they followed that call early on in their life. So it's not always bad things. It could be good things, but if it's taken up more of your time, then lay it aside, cast it off, throw it off. Just as the runner in a race travels as lightly as possible, the Christians must avoid being weighted down with all kinds of worldly duties and commitments. Again, I think in America, it's time. We get so busy. When I was in high school, we had two foreign exchange students in my art class, one from Spain and one from Germany. And I asked them, I said, man, don't you guys love the United States? And the girl from Spain says, no. I said, what are you talking about? This is great, you know. She goes, well, you guys don't take siestas. I said, what? She said, yeah, we work till about 10, 10 or 11, and then we take nap time. And she said, it's too fast-paced here. You have no time for family. You have no time for fellowship. You have no time for other things. Now, that can go the other way. You can get too lazy and do all those things and not work. A man don't work, a man don't eat. There's a balance there. And we can get so caught up with the other things of life that we forget the things that are most important, like God and our family. 
Something in ministry, you never want to put ministry above your family because you're putting them on the altar and sacrificing them in there. Does that make sense? You're God. This is, this is what I was taught. God first, your spouse second, your kids third, then ministry, and then other things. Put them in the proper perspective. Now, you have to work, so work's up there. But don't put work more important than your family. So these are all the cares and worries that choke out the word. I want to read this scripture. Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. That, that's the weeds that come up and choke that relationship with Jesus. You want to run the race? Throw off all those cares and worries of the world. Now that's not easy, Jesus, but Jesus will help you. He has a way of helping you. Sometimes he may, I hate to say this, allow you to get sick so that you're on your bed to calm down and slow down. Oh boy, that won't preach in some churches. God will allow those things to get your attention. I've known it. I've seen it happen. So what are those things that we throw aside? Not only do we throw aside those things that hinder our walk with God, but we throw aside sin that so easily entangles. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3 real quick. Look with me in verses 1 through 10. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. Paul writing to the church in Colossus, he says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The word heart there literally means your desires. Set your desires on the things of Christ or on the things above. That, again, that's where your focus is. And then he says set your mind. The word mind there in the Greek means your thoughts. So set your desires and your thoughts on him. So set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's a scripture for the appearing, I believe, in the rapture of the church. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of its creator. He says to, he says to put your hearts, your desires, and your thoughts on God above and get rid of these things in your life. Throw them off. Rid them. How many of you guys like a stinky trash can? You ever drove by a dump? Our sin is like that. Most of us would not keep that in our house. If something smells in your house, you look for it. You ever have a dead mouse in your house and you can't find out where it's at? Don't ever get one in your car. That's the hardest thing to find out where it's at. Because you turn on that air conditioner or something, especially in Oklahoma. It's been a long time since I got used to the heat, and I knew coming back it was hot. You turn on your air conditioner, the first thing you get is that whiff of smell, right? And you're trying to look for it. Guys, that's sin, and so you try to look for it to get rid of it, right? 
I guarantee you if I had a dead, dead mouse, not, not dead house, but dead mouse in the house, my wife would make me look for it till I found it and got rid of it. That's what he's talking about. Sin is like that. And God says to get rid of those things. And if he says you can do it, you can what? Do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, go with me to another scripture that's not in there. Go with me to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, so I say live by the Spirit. To live, it literally means to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Walking in the Holy Spirit. So I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Listen, this, the, the sinful nature he's talking about is the flesh. My flesh likes things. It does. Your flesh likes things. How many of you guys like chocolate? Do you know women eat more chocolate than men? It's a proven fact. Do you know what my Achilles heel is? Ice cream. I love ice cream. So I have to stay away from it when I'm riding bike. Because if I don't, then I'll get fat. That's what your sinful nature is. It's your flesh. It likes things. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when it's capitalized spirit, means Holy Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery means being stuck and doing the same sin and addiction over and over again, and you're stuck and you can't get out of it. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. Now listen, he's speaking to the church here, and he says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not my words, that's his words. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. He's talking about keeping in step with the Spirit. He's saying, follow Jesus. Are you guys getting this? Where's your focus? If you follow Jesus and your focus is on Jesus, he will give you the strength to keep in step with the Spirit. When I was in Abernathy, I would walk, and we had a creek, Abernathy Creek, and beautiful, you know, you have your big furs, and... I would walk and walk two miles a day and go out and spend my time in prayer. And I remember walking one day and I said, Lord, I, I, I know this. How many of you guys know this? And you've been, you've been preached to this before. You've, somebody's preached this to you before. We know the word. And I said, God, I know the word. How do I put it into practice? This is frustrating. And here I'm a pastor and I'm praying this. And I'm walking and the Lord said, look down at the creek. And I'm looking at the creek. And at that time it was summertime and and in Washington, it rains most of the year, but in the summer, it gets dry. And weeds were growing up, and trash from trees was all around. And, and the Lord says, how, how, does, how, how do the weeds go away? And 
I'm probably not very good with my grammar this morning, so I'm doing the best I can here in my talking. But uh, the weeds were growing up, and God said, I said, God asked me, how do you get rid of the weeds? How do you get rid of all that junk? And I said, you need water. And he said, that's the same with my spirit. As you begin to pray in the spirit, as you begin to spend time with me, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to wash you with the watering of the Holy Spirit and with the word. As you read the word, the Holy Spirit works in you and begins to move all that stuff to the surface so that you can get rid of it. So I thought, well, did I really hear from God? Anybody ever think that? Am I really hearing? So I get in the truck. I get done with my prayer. And, I, and I, I, I turn on the radio and I like to listen to preaching. And Alan Jackson was preaching. And not the singer. That's why I heard laughing. I'm not talking about the singer. There's a, a minister by the name of Alan Jackson too. Okay. Go look him up. He's a good preacher. I, I, somebody laughed. I'm like, you're listening to Alan Jackson preach? <laughs> I knew I had to cover that one real quick. Don't get me stuck with the song in my head either. But I'm sitting there and he starts preaching on the same thing God had just told me. Be filled with the Spirit. Start your day off with where your focus is. God, fill me up. That doesn't mean things are going to be easy. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. But what it does mean is the Holy Spirit is helping you through this. And God will confirm things to you. There have been times in my life when I've had struggles and I said, God, I need to hear from you. And guess what? He does and he speaks to me. He'll speak through you through a devotional, through a preaching on the word or through a song. I don't know how many times I've been there and God has put a song in my heart and then it's on the radio. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. He will confirm what he says in his word. You've got to keep in step with the Spirit. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to get your focus, your mind and your thoughts and your desires on the things of God to keep running the race. Number three, how do we run this race? We run with perseverance. Let's go back to Hebrews. In this verse 1, he talks about throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You notice he talks about so easily entangles. Sin will entangle you. If you're being tempted, don't give in to that temptation. Be like, be like Joseph where he ran from Potiphar's wife. He fled. Flee. If you have to get away from something, get away from it. If it's something on TV, turn it off. We did that the other day. Stacey and I were watching something, and all of a sudden the thing came up, boom, TV came off. Nope, we're done. Oh, but mom, dad, can't, can't we watch? Nope, it's done. Then he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The minute you got saved, you came into the race. Paul uses this a lot. And again, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. We are not sure. But Paul, was when he was chained, he was right next to where, they, where, the, where, the, where the track was, where the Greek games would go on. And in fact, on a Greek track, they would have posts at each end, and it was a goal that you set. If I met that goal, then I turned the next goal and I had a goal. We have a goal set before us, and that's heaven. And so when he mentioned this, he's thinking about us as the Christian walk. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. How many of you guys would run a marathon today? How far do you think we would get? Only you and I can answer that question, right? One mile, I'm done. 
In order to run a marathon, you have to build yourself up. You have to build what we call what? Endurance. The word perseverance comes from the Greek word hippomon, and it means steadfastness or constancy, consistency. Did you get that? Consistency in your Christian walk. Is your walk with God like this? Or is it more consistent? In the New Testament, the characteristic of a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and is loyal to the faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. It means staying consistent in your walk, staying with Jesus, not throwing in the towel, continuing to walk with him even when it gets difficult and tough. I, I ran track when I was a kid. If I could go back, I would have stayed in track. I was really good in track. And I would build up endurance, and I ran the 800-meter dash. And it got to the point where I had built up enough endurance that I could sprint both laps. At 11 years old, my fastest time in the 800-meter dash was 2 minutes and 18 seconds. And I still have it written on a, on, a, on a car because I would sprint the whole two laps. My fastest time in the four, and this is not about me boasting myself. I'm talking about endurance. I got to the point where my fastest time in, in the 400-meter dash was 57 seconds. I ran it in less than a minute at 11 or 12 years old. That's endurance. It's building endurance. It, took, it, it didn't happen overnight. It took time. When I wrestled in high school and junior high, I had to practice to get better at it. I had to practice moves. That's the same with the Christian walk. You get saved, it just doesn't happen. You've got to work at it. You've got to purposefully change things and turn from those things and focus your attention on the right things. And there's, Paul talks about some that are still living off of milk. And there's a lot of believers today that have been serving Christ their whole life, but they're not eating the meat of the word and they're not living for Christ and they're still drinking milk. I guarantee you some of us would be laughed at if we were wearing a diaper and drinking out of a bottle this morning. But there's a lot of believers that are that way. I already read this scripture, the fruits of the Spirit. But notice the one of those in there is the word what? Patience. Another word for perseverance or endurance is patience. How many of you love that word? How many of you ever pray, God, give me patience? I had one person say, I never pray that because he gives it to me. But if you never pray it, then you'll never get tested to grow your patience. Usually when I get tested on my patience, it's usually in the car. I got to be somewhere. And somebody, I, 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 I'm going to tell you, this happened to me one time. I had to be in an appointment. Most of it was my fault because I was late. Anybody had to get out the door late? get too busy with other things, and you go, oh, it's late. And I had been praying, God, give me patience. I get out, and I had to be to Vancouver from Longview, and it's about, a, about almost an hour drive. It'd be like going from here to Gainesville, Texas. And I'm in a hurry, and I'm not kidding you, the whole way. I got stuck behind people going 10 and 15 miles below the speed limit. God was working on my character that day. It was not the greatest. And I got to my appointment late. 
Thankfully, they were gracious enough to let me keep it because usually after 10 minutes, they cancel your appointment. Patience. Your Christian walk takes patience. Can I tell you something else? Be patient with God on working on you. Be patient with yourself. Do you know what I mean by that? Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. Do you know somebody that's hard on themselves? You ever, you ever meet somebody that's really hard on themselves? They beat themselves up. They make a mistake. I, I, that's perfectionism, by the way. But we can be so hard on ourselves that we're not even patient with ourselves and the work that God's doing in us. And sometimes God, it's a process. Right when I think I've figured it out, then I find out later I haven't. I'm so, God, I'm so glad that God has grace. It's called unmerited favor. All right, I'm going on. Webster Dictionary de definition of per perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. God has set before you and each of us a race. You must run it, and it will involve effort and commitment. Being passive never runs or wins a race. God wants us to run the race and finish it right. David Gusick in his commentary. William Barclay says this in his commentary about perseverance. Endurance is needed to run that race. Endurance translates the ancient Greek hupomone, which does not mean the patience which it sits down and accepts things, but the patience which masters them. It is determination, unhurrying and yet undelayed, which goes steadily on and refuses to be deflected. I think of a friend that I went to school with from elementary school to junior high to high school. And he was a wrestler. And he was a junior varsity wrestler. He worked harder than anybody on my wrestling team. He would, work, he would run extra wraps. Did he ever make varsity? No, but he worked hard and he kept at it. And he never quit. That's the point. It's not, about, it's not about getting success or making yourself look good. It's about making him look good. And it's about staying in the race. Not quitting. We have a society made up of snowflakes. I'm sorry, it's the truth. There's no commitment. They can't fight through it. And we're raising church people to be that way. I'm sorry, I'm just being candid with you. Am I the only one that feels this way this morning? We've got to be stronger than that. We used to use a word when I was in wrestling called suck it up. I would coach Slaymaker up at Tulsi Central. I remember we'd be crying. I mean, almost in tears, you know. Wrestling practice is one of the hardest things. You're cutting weight and you're wrestling and you're, I mean, I, I can't explain all of it, but it's hard. And I, and I remember him, we'd start whining, go, suck it up or I'll give you more laps. And then he'd give us more laps. <laughs> Finally, how do we run this race? Two more points and then we're going to end. I, I may go a little over. Are you guys okay with that this morning a little bit? We don't run it alone. You're not running it alone. First, remember, we are following Christ, which means we walk beside or accompany him. Jesus is running the race with us. If you're running the race by yourself, you need Jesus this morning. Second, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Let's look here, verse, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Guys, he's not gonna—he's not gonna leave you by your side. He's gonna, gonna leave you alone. 
He, he's the author of your faith. He's the author of my faith. The day I got saved, I wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus found me. I got saved. He started the walk. He started the race. And he's going to help me finish it. How does that make you feel this morning? Aren't you glad that what God starts, he finishes? One may say that Jesus is with us at the starting line and the finish line and all the way along the, the way of the race that he sets before us. Let me read that again. I got One may say that Jesus is with us at the starting line and the finish line and all along the way of the race that he sets before us. He starts it with us, he runs it with us, and he finishes it with us. Philippians 1, 6, Am I certain that God who began the good work within you, will continue this work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Hallelujah! So we're keeping our focus on Jesus, right? We're getting rid of all those things that hinder us, laying them aside. We're following him, and he's running with us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24. Now may the God of peace, who, who, uh, peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 8. Offering to God, the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look for his appearing. So how do we run this race? Not only do we know that we're not doing it alone, but finally we look to those who have come before. If others could finish the race well, we can too. Look at verse 1 real quick. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of what? Witnesses. Guys, others have gone before us. I've shared this before, but I've known godly men and women. I have a friend of mine right now. She's a godly woman, and she's, she's, she's in hospice right now. Talked to her son yesterday, but she loves Jesus. And she's getting ready to go in glory. And as I was praying with him and talking to him, I said, you know what, I look forward to that day when I get to see Jean in heaven again. She has fought the good fight of faith. She has finished the race. She has loved Jesus down to the very last drop of her. She loves him. That's the purpose. And he's still with her through all of this. If others could do it, we can do it. And if you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you will see all those that came before us. Some of them, look in verse, verse, uh, chapter 11, verses 39 through 40 with me. Hebrews eleven thirty-nine. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Some of these people didn't get to see the promise, but they remained faithful. And if they can remain faithful and they didn't get the promise, but you and I received the promise, how faithful can we be? We've received the promise. What is it? Eternal life. When does eternal life start? The minute you get saved. 
Jesus says, I give them eternal life. You get it the day you get saved. The minute I said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, guess what he did? Everybody ever have that? When somebody leads you to the Lord, they say, God's got a book in heaven called the book of life. And he went, oh, he just gave his life to me. Put my name down there. It's in the book of life. When do you get eternal life? The minute you get saved. We often think I'm waiting until I get to heaven. You can live your eternal life now. Yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We are surrounded by others who have finished the race and yet did not receive the promise. I just shared that. That's my last thing. I want to I end with that real quick. Guys, it's not easy. But you can finish the race. And there's going to be bumps in the road. Okay, Lord, one last scripture. You guys ready for one last scripture? Don't put your Bibles away. Go with me to Proverbs real quick. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Proverbs chapter 3. And then we're going to close in prayer. Wow, I got two minutes to spare. You know what that means for a pastor, don't you? <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Look what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now the word trust there is the word lean on or rely on or to believe in. It, it literally means to, to lean on the Lord. So I, I do this to my wife sometimes just joking around when we're in the store, I'll lean on her. And uh, that's a mean husband probably, but I, have you ever done that to anybody? Just joking around and she'll stop that, quit that. Yeah. Okay, uh, never mind. I guess that's not a good example. But anyways, it really means to lean on. It, it's this. It's putting all your weight on him. Oftentimes we lean on our own understanding. Look what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, your own thinking. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path what? Straight. That race, that race as you trust God, this race that we're in, he will straighten out the rough road. He'll straighten out the rough edges. But you got to lean on him. We get into trouble when we lean on our own understanding. But if we'll lean on Jesus, he'll make our path straight. In this race, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate and narrow is the path that leads to life and few find it. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. First of all, you can't run the race if you don't know Jesus. I, I've known people that have gone to church their whole life and then find out later that they didn't know the Lord. I knew a guy that was a deacon one time in the church I was at before. And a month before he passed away from cancer, he invited me to his house because he had never accepted Jesus into his life. Are you here this morning? And you would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not saved. I, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you're not living for him. He wants a relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's not about performance. It's about surrendering your life to the one that absolutely loves you and died for you so that you don't have to go to hell. But hell is a real place. And heaven is a real place. And it's up to you which one you want. 
If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I want to do it today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want you to lift up your hand right now. Everybody's saved in here this morning. I'm going to ask again, are you here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus in my life and I want to ask Jesus into my heart, would you raise your hand? Everybody's saved in here. All right. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I needed to hear this message this morning. I needed to know that Jesus is with me in this race and that he's going to help me finish it and that I need to get my focus on him. Would you just raise your hand in here this morning? Wow, several of you. I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, I pray for those this morning that raised their hand. They're going through some trials and tribulations and it feels overwhelming sometimes. But you said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You have come to give them eternity. Uh, bubbling waters boiling up to eternal life living water abundantly Father I pray that you would help them in this race God if it's provision you're the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills provide Lord if it's financial situation again you can provide the finances if it's a relationship issue God you can work out reconciliation and forgiveness God, if it's other problems, there's no problem that you can't handle. Nothing's too hard for you, as it says in Jeremiah chapter 33. Give them the strength that they need this morning. I pray they won't forget this message, but as they walk out of here, they will remember that they're in the race and you're running with them. And that their eyes are to be focused on you, not looking to the left or the right, but focused on you, Jesus. And abiding in you. And fellowshipping with you. And knowing that you're going to give them the strength for you work all things out for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So I pray that right now this morning for those that raise their hand. And I pray for anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that didn't raise their hand. God, I pray that you would be, keep knocking out the door of their heart. That no matter where they go, that they would see the name of Jesus in front of them. And I pray that you'd give them a soft heart to receive the seed of your word and to surrender their life. We thank you for all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for coming this morning. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget, we have a Sunday night service tonight. And uh, we'll see you later. God bless you. Sometimes.